Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. When a group of campers head out into the woods, they imagine they're going to spend the weekend roasting marshmallows and looking at squirrels. But instead, they experience one of the strangest alien encounters we've ever uncovered. And then we take a look at the story of two separate ghost stories that force us to ask the question, when it comes to the terrifying power and raw unpredictability of the world of the paranormal, is it smart to start messing with it? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day, too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun out there in the world, doing whatever you're doing. We got a lot of stuff to cover, so let's get started right away. First off, running into Dead Rabbit Command full speed. Everyone give it up for one of our legacy Patreon supporters, Mr. Argon. Woohoo! Yeah! Wee-hee! Yay! Wee! He's jumping around. He's jumping around in Dead Rabbit Command. Yeah, I heard he's a real gas. <laughs> I heard he's a gas. Isn't Argon like the name of a gas? I don't know anything about it chemistry would that be would that include gases chemistry whatever anyways mr argon you're gonna be our captain our pilot this episode you guys can't support the patreon i totally understand just help spread the word about dead rabbit radio tell your friends tell your family tell everyone you know that dead rabbit radio is your favorite paranormal show that helps out a lot when you get the word out it really really does mr argon I'm going to go ahead and touch the keys of the Jason Jalopy. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We're going to put you in the gas tank. Drive us all the way out to Georgia. Long, leisurely drive down to America's favorite swamp known as Georgia. It's April 5th, 1998. 7 p.m. in the evening. Driving through the woods. And we're really in the middle of nowhere. These hikers that we're about to meet, they were moving through the woods, walking by, coming, man, look at those squirrels go, dude. Uh, did you see that honeycomb? Did you see that bear eating that honey? Nom, 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 nom. What an amazing day hiking through the forest of Georgia. But now it's time to set up camp. They'd done enough walking, pitched their tents, cooking, <laughs> cooking a bear. They shot it. They're eating some delicious bear meat for dinner. They're really in the middle of nowhere. So when they start seeing lights out in the forest, they go, what? Like, we thought we were the only people. (laughs) Is this the Bears family? Did they invent flashlights and now they're coming to look for us? We thought we were the only people out here. Let's go investigate. Let's go see where those lights are coming from. So these campers, they start making their way through the forest. It's not too far away that these lights are coming from. And eventually they reach this large clearing in the woods. And there's four... UFOs. I mean, come on. Most people don't even get to see one. These guys wandering through the woods. There's four UFOs hovering over this clearing. And then three of them land. Three of these UFOs have landed. And the campers are just watching all of this unfold. 
these little ramps appear. And out of each vehicle, out of each UFO, landed UFO, one alien walks out of it. So these three aliens are walking down their little ramp. And they were described as white humanoids. They're about three feet tall with huge, creepy eyes. I'm assuming what they're talking about is grays, but they specifically say they were white three humanoids about three feet tall with huge, creepy eyes. And they get off of their UFOs, and they're standing there in the clearing, and then the fourth UFO that's still hovering above them shoots down this beam of light. It's kind of like a spotlight, right? It's it's coming straight down to this UFO, and the three aliens are now standing in this spotlight. And then they start to dance. You're like, Jason, this is made up. It's probably the most made up story you've ever told. This is worse than the pig man of Portugal. No, let me finish. These aliens, these little gray aliens start dancing. You're like, imagine this is a commercial from the 1990s. They're like, we love Pepsi. No, these aliens are dancing in this laser light show. It wasn't necessarily a laser light show. It was just one beam. There's just one beam. I don't know if it was like different colors and stuff like that. So the main point isn't isn't the light. The main point is there's three aliens. They're dancing. They're doing this little dance in the spotlight in the middle of this. <laughs> this is hilarious, man. I would trade all of my paranormal stories, all the paranormal experiences I ever had to watch this thing. These little gray aliens or whatever they were, little humanoids. Oh, there was no music. music. It's hilarious when you watch people dancing and there's no music. These little gray aliens, and it doesn't say that they're choreographed. It doesn't say like they're doing the same motions at the same time, because that would show a level of pre-planning. Although if you think about it, most gray alien stories, they're telepathic. So they could be like, no, Mark, no, Mark, left foot now, then right, right, stomp. And Mark's like, sorry, man. So they, they could be choreographed. It'd be perfect. Because they could all talk to each other mentally, but they're dancing in this beam of light. You can imagine the aliens doing whatever dance you want. And the campers are like, what in the world is possibly going on, right? This is 1998. Uh, X-Files has been on for a couple of years. Everyone knows what a gray alien looks like from Communion and all sorts of sci-fi and horror movies. None of them could have prepared them to watch these aliens dancing in this beam of light. And they have no... No words for it. They're completely speechless. These aliens are going... No music. No music. They're just making the body motions. And then the aliens, in the middle of their dance routine, they look over and they see their seven humans hiding in the bushes. They see seven human faces sticking out of the bushes. And the aliens go... And just disappear. They vanish into thin air. The UFOs are still there, though. They vanished. The three UFOs are still landed. The hovering UFO is still projecting that beam of light down. All of a sudden, the campers begin to hear, coming from somewhere in the darkness of the forest, a creepy, lingering laugh. (laughs) Hee <laughs>
And as they're hearing this laugh in their wedding, their vans, obviously, they're hearing what they describe as a creepy, lingering laugh coming from somewhere in the forest. The UFOs disappear into thin air as well. Just poof. And the clearing is completely empty. The witnesses said the only piece of evidence to any of this, other than their own memories, is in that clearing, after the UFOs vanished, they saw that the grass had been burned there was a ring of burnt grass where that spotlight was coming down and hitting the forest floor, or hitting the middle of the clearing. It burned that part. But that was the only piece of evidence that was left behind. I found this story on ThinkAboutItDocs.com. They got it from um, UFORC, which is the National UFO Research Center. We've covered a lot of really weird UFO stuff over the years, alien stuff on Dead Rabbit Radio. And I'm very proud of the fact that this show, we go out of our way to find the weirdest of the weird. It takes a lot more research to dig, it's hours and hours of reading to find that, to find that story. But what's interesting is this is one of those things that UFOologists theorize about. Do aliens, specifically gray aliens, we have this question, do they appreciate or even understand art? Because between all the interactions we have reported between humans and aliens, there's very, very, very little references to art. I think we might have covered one episode where the aliens had some sort of paintings They did have some sort of artwork, but music seems so abstract to them. We have more stories where aliens mention religion than they do art. Which is super interesting because art is such a part of the human condition. Like music, like paintings, comic books, things like that. Aliens, we don't see them interacting with art in any sort of meaningful way. And it's super weird. So the fact that these aliens are dancing... It implies a whole level of artistic appreciation that we've not seen in alien stories really much at all. I have vague recollections of aliens talking about paintings. I know aliens hate jazz. I know that. We did an episode on that. So we know that they don't like certain types of art. And I think they did in that story. It's been a while since I researched that or did that episode, but... I think there was a particular type of music that they did like, but it doesn't seem to be part of their culture. If anything, they'd come to this planet and not know what it was. So I love this story. I absolutely love this story because dancing is art, and dancing would imply a relationship with music as well. They couldn't hear the music. It could be that the music was being beamed into the aliens' heads, It could be that the music was being played at such a high frequency or low frequency that humans couldn't pick it up. We don't know. But just the story of having aliens dancing in the middle of the woods, it's amazing. Like, as as far as someone who loves researching paranormal phenomenon, it's fantastic. But then it's so funny because these aliens are kind of jerks because they... I mean, I get it. You don't want to have a bunch of humans watching you dance. This was just the rehearsal. You got to come back for the final show. Not only did they vanish, they then laughed in a creepy fashion laughing at the humans. And so that adds a layer of sinisterness to it. Fascinating, fascinating story. I think I gave this a Dead Rabbit Radio Recommends a while ago. There's a movie called The History of Future Folk, which is about two aliens come to Earth 
and they're supposed to blow it up, but they've never heard music before, and they fall in love with Earth. And that that plot is super basic. It's what it's one of those movies that felt magical when I was watching it. Like I was like, wow, there's something so beautiful about this movie, but these two aliens, and they're just dudes, they're just normal human actors in wearing like red plastic body armor. But I love that movie, The History of Future Folk. If you, I think I mentioned it before on Dead Rabbit Radio Recommends, but if I haven't, definitely watch it. And that's kind of the same thing, like what would an alien do if they discovered music? I think aliens coming from other... we See, here's the thing. We assume because we love art so much that, of course, an advanced species would also love the same things we do. They, if you're going to build starships to explore the galaxy, well, of course they must have painters. Of course they must have poets. Of course they must have choreographers. But that's such a human way of looking at things. Maybe they don't. And that's really, if you went off the evidence we had up until this story, I think the answer is we've never had aliens dance before, so we should assume that aliens don't like to dance. But now we have this story, they're dancing in the woods. They're doing a little jig. They're doing a little dance, and I love it. It's a fun story, plus it has a creepy laugh at the end, which makes it spooky. And I love spooky stuff, too. But fascinating story. I would have loved to have seen this. I don't know if I would have traded all of my paranormal encounters. That might have been a, a bit of an overreach, but a couple of them. Mr. Argon, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind Georgia. Fly us all the way out to an apartment complex. We're headed all the way out to this apartment. We're walking around the complex and the landlord's like, hey, you guys got deposit? You guys going to get a place? I don't know why he sounds like some sleazy drug dealer. Hey, uh, the first apartment's free. The second one you got to pay for. It. We're like, oh, that sounds like a great deal. You're a terrible landlord. He's like, ah. We're walking around this apartment complex and we're looking through one of the windows and we see this man standing in front of his stove. Stove. That is the thing. I didn't know what a stove was for like until my 20s. That's the metal part on the top of your oven where you cook things. Now, I knew what it was. I knew it wasn't like it was like some caveman constantly putting my hands on it. I didn't know that's what it was called. The oven is the big box underneath. The stove is on top with the little Bernie ring things, right? So we're watching this guy. He's staring at the stove. He's just staring. <laughs> we're staring at him. He's our stove. We're staring at him. And we see him kind of running his fingers around the stove and picking them up. And he's like playing, playing with something. <laughs> like, Jason, can't we just go? Can't you just start the story? Why does it have to be so mysterious? Okay, okay. We're going to take a look at this. <laughs> we're going to take a look at this story of this guy. We're going to call him Jerry. He didn't post his real name, but this is the actual story. He said the other day he was cleaning up around his house and then he looked over and he saw smoke coming off of his stove. What? That's nuts. That's crazy. So he walks over there and he sees this smoke and what happened was the hot plate was on. Don't ask me to explain what hot plate is. I'm assuming it's a plate that's hot. I think it's something hobos use. I think it's like... If you're kind of not like pure hobo, you're not like 100% right in the rails. If you're just kind of a hobo, <laughs> you have a little bindle and you have the five days growth of a beard and your clothes are all raggedy, but you also have access to electricity. A hot plate 
you plug in the wall. <laughs> you can hear you can hear how sure I am in my voice. You're like, Jason, just look it up. You're on the internet all the time, literally. Anyways, his hot plate, which I think is a term for the little circles on the top of your stove that cook things. Not the hobo one. This one. <laughs> Jason, I'm so confused. What in the world are you talking about? What do hobos have to do anything? Why were we stalking this guy? Okay, okay. Guy's at his house, his apartment. He's cleaning up. Sea smoke coming off the stove top. Looks over. The hot plate is on. It was actually turned all the way up to the highest setting. He's like, what? I didn't do that. I didn't turn that on. And it's smoking. Why is all this smoke? I don't know if it's like billowing smoke, but you know, enough, any amount of smoke when something shouldn't be smoking is alarming, right? Any amount. He sees smoke coming off of his stovetop. Walks over there. It's turned up to the highest setting, which is six. He's like, what? That's super weird. So it turns it down. And he thinks, maybe I accidentally turned it on. That's what he kind of thinks. He kind of thinks that I must have accidentally turned it on. But what he realizes is after he turned down the stove, the burner on the stove, it's an electric one too, if that helps, or maybe just makes it more confusing, he turns it down. After it cools down, he realizes there's this gel-like substance on the stovetop, on the electric burner. He says he compared it to something like Vicks Vapor Rub. So it's like this melty, jelly-type substance. And he's like, what in the world could this be? I must have accidentally turned it on. I must have accidentally applied Vicks Vapor Rub to my stovetop. And he does have a roommate, so he figures maybe my roommate did it, but, you know, it's just weird. I, I, I might have accidentally turned it on. Maybe my roommate did it. I don't know. And he shuts it off and walks away. But then a couple days later... There's a dog barking outside. We're just going to have to deal with this. Imagine that there's a dog barking outside Jerry's apartment. It'll be immersive. So a couple days pass, maybe a week or two, and he's putzing around his apartment. And at this point, he's the only one home. And he's making toast, making toast in the kitchen. And all of a sudden, he smells something burning. And he turns around and on the electric stovetop, there was a tiny piece of dry top ramen on top of the same burner as last time. And once again, it's turned all the way up to six. And what he smelled was the burning piece of top ramen. And so he posts this. He posts this online underneath the name Ace Fellow. And he titles this Haunted Stovetop, which might be kind of a leap, right? He just has had two encounters with the stovetop turning on by itself. And he goes... It's not an electrical issue. Both times the burner was turned all the way up to six. But it's possible, he believes, that the stovetop is haunted. I would say out of most items in your house, it's probably one of the least likely ones to be haunted. If you were a ghost, think about where you would want to be. Like, you very rarely, if ever, outside of the movie Ghostbusters, hear about a haunted fridge, because ghosts, you know... It's cramped in there and it's super cold. You figure ghosts probably want to like hang out in bedrooms or underneath your couch so they can grab your ankles when you're not looking. Stuff like that, right? Spooky places. Closets. Dog houses. A haunted stove would be a new thing. 
Jerry's apparently started a dogfighting ring as well. A haunted stove. I mean, I guess haunted appliances, right? We've heard about that. Uh, definitely haunted computers, ghosts in the machine. So it's not, it's not impossible. It's just not super common. If anything, I can't remember another time we've talked about a haunted stove. But that's not why I'm covering this story. I'm covering this story because what we're going to be looking at is, is it smart to test paranormal activity? And you go, Jason, yeah, totally. Like, that's a big part of paranormal research, right? You show up to a known location that's haunted, and you have your spirit boxes, you take EVPs, you're trying to record voices of the dead. A big part of paranormal research is testing. That's not the type of testing I'm talking about. I'm talking about more of taunting ghosts. And there's no paranormal researcher worth their salt. Other than Zach Baggins does it all the time, apparently. I don't watch this show, but I read enough about it. <laughs> I guess he's constantly like, spirits of the damned, if you're here, punch punch my cameraman. <laughs> I, I, I probably should watch that show at least once or twice to, to see what it is. But anyways, we, you do, people do test them like that, taunt them. The worst thing that's going to happen is your cameraman's going to get punched in the face by a creature from hell. But in this case, Jerry said that this is dumb. This is dangerous, I guess would be another way to put it. He thinks that it, this is paranormal, so then he says, quote, Right now, I have a small scrap of toilet paper on the stove, and I'm waiting to see if it burns. That's a terrible idea. That might be one of the worst ghost hunting ideas I've ever heard of. I'm going to put something flammable... On this stove that keeps... Here's the thing. Even if it is a mechanical problem, don't start fires. Don't start fires. He doesn't even know what that gel was the first time. And if you're thinking this is paranormal and it's creating stuff... First off, the ability to turn a knob it takes a lot of psychic ghost energy. So you're not dealing with, you know... Isabella, the nine-year-old girl who died in that very spot. She died where that oven would be someday she died of typhus and now she's haunting this no i mean you have to be quite powerful to start turning knobs basically he's he's trying to see if he can start a fire in his house and the problem with it is that it shows such a lack of foresight that you go jason it's just a small piece of toilet paper like what could go wrong well, what I would do if I was that, if I was making these decisions, first I would put, let's say I would, and I wouldn't, but let's say I would put a piece of toilet paper on a stovetop to see if it burns. Then, after it successfully burned, I'd be like, ah, proof of the paranormal. I would invite my buddies over and be like, hey, Steve, Josh, come over to my place, dude. Hang out. Also, you guys got anything that's flammable? They're like, what? I was like, yeah, bring over, like, I don't know, books. Bring over some books. You got motor oil? Bring it on over. I want to show you guys a trick. You would keep one-upping it. You would set bigger and bigger things on fire. If it is paranormal, this would be something you wouldn't want to mess with. It's trying to start a fire already. You're giving it fuel. And the worst part about this type of haunting, too, is this is one that could be so harmful. Could you imagine? Think about it this way. What would you rather encounter in your house? You walk in your house, and there's a ghost that levitates 
an ashtray off of your counter and smashes it against the ground. Or a ghost that turns on the garbage disposal <laughs> as you're cleaning it out. You know what I mean? It's way worse. So not something you want to mess with. This definitely seems like it's trying to do damage. So don't give it fuel. Don't give it very flammable things. And that's really where we're kind of going with this next story as well. But I think could honestly be more dangerous. Here's another story we don't have a location for. So <laughs> this is going to be a very, very active apartment complex. We walk over a couple of buildings in the apartment complex. All of a sudden we see this raging fire. Fire engines are coming up. We're like, ah, they'll figure it out. They'll get, they'll get it put out. We walk past them. We're walking over to another apartment where we're about to meet a man named Philip. Philip a while back moved into this apartment, and when he moved in, he was a skeptic. But now it's a year later after he moved in, and he totally believes in the world of the paranormal. He knows that this apartment is haunted. 100%. Which is kind of cool, right? For that skepticism to kind of be like, well, you know, in the face of all this evidence, everything's flown around his hands, have been chewed to bits by the garbage disposal. He's holding these stumps. He's like, well, you know, sometimes as a skeptic, after the first hand got demolished by the phantom garbage disposal, I thought, hmm, I'm sure Neil deGrasse Tyson could explain this. He's flipping blood everywhere. He's flicking it. He's gesticulating with his hand. But then he goes, but once I lost the other hand, I kind of had to believe that. It was like, oh, I wasn't even anywhere near a garbage disposal. It flew through the house and chopped up my fingers. I believe now. I'm no longer a skeptic. And he's actually come to really like this ghost at this apartment. He goes, he, I think he's a friendly ghost. I'm pretty sure he's a friendly ghost. Seems like an affable chap. He goes, he does do some stuff. Um, For example... Philip tells us, every so often he'll tilt photos on the wall. He'll tilt it a bit. Wooka, wooka. It'll be a little askew and you got to get him fixed. And you go, oh, you ghost. Sit back down. But he goes, the reason why I like the ghost, the reason why I like the ghost and I think he's friendly is because I don't feel alone anymore. When I'm at home, I feel like there's somebody else there with me. It's like the ghost is my roomie. It's like just a nice feeling to know that there's somebody else here. That's totally fine. Right now, so far, pretty good narrative. Cool that he realizes the world of the paranormal is real. Doesn't seem to be having any major problems. Not telling us the whole story. But, but here's where we get to the question of is it smart to test these things this is a different kind of test this is probably the most dangerous one because the key thing that any paranormal researcher will tell you is whether or not oh the dog came to philip's apartment too whether or not you believe in the paranormal you cannot invite this stuff into your life like if you want to believe in the paranormal it's totally awesome i do there are a lot of people who say, oh, I wish I could have a paranormal experience. That's one thing. But to actively invite these things into your life is so dangerous. It's the difference between living in a neighborhood that has gang members in it. And you know that there are gang members in your neighborhood versus 
inviting one of those gang members to hang out at your house. Super dangerous. Like the Dane, because now you're affiliated with this particular gang. Other gangs are just going to hate you because they see you with this person. Plus you have a guy who specializes in armed robbery hanging out at your house. It's not going to end well. If you're a civilian and you start hanging out with a gang member and you invite him in your house, it's not going to end well. It'll end fine for the gang member. It won't end well for you. And that's the same type of thing that's going on here. Philip is moving. Philip lived there for a year. It's time to leave. And he posted this online. He goes, is there a way to take a ghost with me? That was his post. He posted it under the name Strawberry. Wants to take this ghost with him. He doesn't want to leave this ghost behind. So he's thinking, is there any way I can have this guy follow me? He said, here's the thing. I don't want to make him leave. Because maybe he likes it better here. I can't, I don't want to force him. You know what I mean? He goes, but I want to give him the option. How do I tell this ghost that if it wants to, it can come with me to my new house. And you see a bunch of people responding to this saying, you know, get an empty cardboard box and stand there and go ghost, ghost. I never named it after a year. He just calls it ghost. Like someone who calls their dog, dog ghost, ghost. I know we've had some good times. A lot of tilted picture frames. But I'm leaving and I want you to come with me. So jump in this box. Come on. Get in this box. It's a box full of stuff. It's used dirty underwear. He knows the ghost's secret fetish. He's like, jump in this empty box. That box is for my fetish. That's not for you, ghost man. Jump in this empty box if you want to come with me. And I'll take you to my new place. People also said, you know, it's good to sell the ghost on this because the ghost could be like, you know, I've been here for 20, 30 years. Yeah, sure, you're fun. you got a lot of photos on your wall. <laughs> I really, really enjoy that. But I don't want to leave here. Like, this is where I'm at. People said, you know what you should do? You should tell this ghost, hey, you know, since I'm leaving, new people are going to move in here and you may not like them. They may actually not be as cool as I am. That one dude, the guy who burnt down his apartment, I heard he's looking for a place. He might be swinging by here soon, but I have to leave. And we get along. If you stay here, you may get roommates you don't like. So come with me. You should come with me. This is super, super dangerous stuff. On the one hand, it's true, right? The new people who move in, the ghost may not get along with them. But on the other hand, you cannot invite these things into your life. You cannot do that. It is so dangerous. You give them a level of power that they did not have before. It could have been a friendly, innocent ghost. Think about it this way, too. This is another good way to put it. You're walking down the street. You see a beautiful woman. Maybe you say, hey, maybe you have a quick interaction and you walk past that's that. You'll probably never even think about her ever again. Now say you're walking down the street and you talk to this beautiful woman and you guys have a bunch of stuff in common and you guys start dating and now she completely destroys your life because you didn't realize she was a total psychopath. You should have realized she was walking down the street with a bloody crowbar. You were distracted by how beautiful her hair looked. 
because you it was a psychopath both times but the second time you invited this woman into your life she then has more power over you just a hundred percent across the board that's what happens that's actually a better analogy than the gang member one when you invite these things in your life they have more power over you that's what's going on here when he tries to bring this thing with him now the power dynamic has shifted it's no longer their roomies this ghost is now part and parcel part of philip's life and you go jason but yeah it's just like the ghost has seemed harmless up to this point why would changing its location make it evil well let's take another analogy let this is the analogy episode Imagine you had, a, you're like, Jason, they're terrible analogies, by the way. Let's say that you had a dog, a super friendly dog at your house. And then you took him to your buddy's house who ran a dog fighting ring right when you're trying to record a podcast. Uh, you think your dog's going to get a little messed up, right? Your dog is going to have like PTSD or as I like to call it, puppy traumatic stress disorder. I think I already used that joke before. But anyways, you have this situation you invite him into your life. You change location. We covered a story not too long ago. I'll see if I can find it in the show notes. It was absolutely terrifying. There was a family whose grandmother died, and the grandmother's house was it. The grandmother's spirit was in that house, but that house was also haunted by all sorts of demons and shadow people. So they, when they moved, the grandma stayed behind. They didn't take the grandma's ghost with her, and she was being tormented by these demonic beings. <laughs> that's another issue. You might move to a house that's more haunted. And this ghost is like, yeah, this place is getting a little cramped up. You're right. And I'm hopping in that box. And then you go to the other house and he's like, uh, <laughs> I don't know about this place as, as hellhounds are eating his limbs. He's like, oh, I'll give it another day or two, but I don't know. You can't invite this stuff into your life. Uh, that's really cool that you had a super friendly ghost encounter. And I get it. But I get like that. It's that whole thing. He doesn't want to be alone. That's the other thing. He doesn't want to be alone, so he's taking this spirit with him, and that changes the power dynamic. It really, really does. Now, the girl you can dump. You just get rid of her, right? The dog fighting ring, you could just say, nope, Rover, you're not fighting this week, but I trained so hard. And I learned how to talk. You're like, ah. Take him back home. Take him, keep him away from your buddy's dog fighting ring. You live in an area full of gang members. Well, that one's a little bit harder to get rid of because you've already, you're already ten toes invested. You're already hanging out and living with gang members. It's going to be a little bit harder to get out of that one, but you can cut off human contact. You can cut off human contact, but the paranormal, even if things, even if things turn out well in the next place, let's say Philip starts dating somebody, and now he doesn't need the ghost. It's just so it, it, things can go sideways so quickly when you're dealing with the paranormal, and especially someone who doesn't know a lot about it, someone who is a skeptic. Now there are skeptics who know a lot of, like in theory, a lot about the paranormal. I'm not saying that all skeptics don't know anything, but th- this is this is dangerous stuff. There's very few paranormal investigators who would do stuff like this. Very, very few paranormal investigators who would take that chance, who would test that, would say, come with me. I'm tired of being lonely. I want you to be part of my life. Because that's really what it is. It's not about moving. It's about 
having this entity follow him. He doesn't even know what it is. And I say most paranormal researchers would never mess with stuff on this level. Well, that's an interesting segue for tomorrow's episode because we're going to take a look at a chilling story that takes place over the course of years when a family in Rancho Cucamonga, California was violently attacked by this demon they only refer to as the Entity. There wasn't a corner of this house that was safe from this malignant spirit. And some of the biggest paranormal researchers of the time investigated this case firsthand, including Ed and Lorraine Warren. But none of them could get rid of it. So when a paranormal researcher said, I want to live in this house with you, I want to experience this phenomenon side by side with you, Every single day, the family hoped they'd finally found someone who could help them get rid of the entity. Little did they know this paranormal researcher only had one goal. To control the demon and gain his powers. We'll we'll talk about that on tomorrow's episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great